Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to episode seventeen of the podcast. Uh, and today I have a man that I'm very happy to have. It is Ireland rugby sevens player, illegal teenage player, and proud budgie smuggler model. It is none other than Harry McNulty. Welcome on, Harry. Hey, thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. I really appreciate it. And great little intro you got on me there. <laughs> <laughs> no bother. Um, so we'll just start with one of the generic questions. Uh, well, I first of all, I just want to say actually a massive, massive congratulations uh, on the Olympic qualification. I watched the whole weekend. And it was absolutely superb. Well, thank you so much for your support. Um, we still can't believe it uh, myself, and I'm sure there's a lot of lads on the team who still can't believe it. It was a very special tournament, uh, obviously six years ago in Monaco. Uh, we tried to qualify for the Olympics, and we didn't. Um, we we didn't do that. And then you know now six years later, a lot of things have happened since then. Players have come and gone, and. Um, COVID's hit and things have been a bit different but to go over to Monaco and to play France in the final who uh, we haven't actually beaten in about two years to to finally get a win over them to qualify for the Olympics was it was a very special way to do it and um, the support has been fantastic I've been getting messages from people I haven't spoken to in years my family my parents my grandparents have been getting messages from people they haven't spoken to for years as well so I think um, we've we've reached a lot of people with the result, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and a sport like when you were growing up was sport like a big thing in your household. Yeah, so my dad grew up playing rugby. Um, he was the first one to kind of show me what rugby was. We lived in America when I was a kid, so there was no real rugby around. There was nowhere really to train or, or play games. So I kind of just knew of it. But growing up as a kid, I played ice hockey in America. That was my number one sport. And baseball, swimming, tennis, uh, soccer, as they call it over there. And then, um, yeah, just would have played all those and, and would have just been a busy kid running around the whole time. And um same with my brother he would have done the same and my sisters would have been involved as well so there was always a bit of sport going on we were always very active and um I think playing all those different sports actually probably would have helped in my development I I was new to rugby I was a bit slow taking it up when I was 14 and it took me a few years to get going but I think just having played different sports growing up would have helped me kind of catch up a little bit quicker and when did you like like fall in love with rugby and realize you wanted to play it properly like had a love-hate relationship with rugby <laughs> so when I was 14 I really enjoyed it and you know something that's brand new so different stimulus and experience and make new friends and I was in Rockwell College a big rugby school that my uncle went to and won a senior cup and when I was 17 I'm, I got my first ever opportunity to start I never started ever um all the way up and so in fifth year, I ended up getting a starting position and was really enjoying it. And then sixth year, we actually won a senior cup as well, which was fantastic. And I was really enjoying my rugby and playing underage. And then um, kind of when I was in the Munster under, underage setup, 18s, 19s, 20s, I thought, you know, there's a possibility to 
um, maybe do this professionally, um, but you never know how things go. And I ended up getting into the academy after a while and was there for two years. And I really enjoyed it there, but it was also very tough, very competitive. And um, I probably uh, doubted myself a lot in terms of what I was capable of doing. Just um, I was just young and a bit inexperienced compared to the rest, but it worked out in the end. And when I left, I ended up getting to the sevens. And when I, when I got, when the interim period between the academy and the sevens, I actually really wasn't enjoying rugby at all. I, I was struggling with it and I didn't, um, didn't really get a whole lot of game time when I was playing um, at the club and I was kind of in and out of the team and I was just kind of fed up with the whole thing. So when the sevens came along, I fell straight back in love and um, it's, it's my favorite. I, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And like, just like last weekend probably was absolutely amazing for you personally because like you've been there since literally the start mm -hmm. in 2016 like um like i just can't imagine what it felt like for you personally yeah it's very great it's a crazy story the whole thing getting set off up and my mum signed me up to go to trials and do a fitness test and I actually I always tell the story but I ran the I ran the fitness test it was out in Santry um they have a sports facility out there and the it was a yo-yo test at the time like a bleep test and um I actually ran it side by side with Foster Horn who also plays on the team still so Foster was literally there from day one as well and we we ran the test literally side by side so we go way back and we're great friends and just it's crazy to think you know in the space of about six years or whatever it is um that we went from literally a, a sport that um was never really in ireland only just socially with kinsale sevens and a couple of tournaments here and there to becoming a full olympic sport and i think it's going to change the landscape of sevens in in this country uh, for good which is fantastic and it's just cool to be able to say like look we've done all these things we've played all these tournaments we've traveled to all these different countries and met all these different people and um, all the hard work that we've put in all the lows you know the injuries and everything that comes along with it and it all it all just pays off in the end when you manage to do something very special and qualify for the olympics so it's i still can't understand it and believe it yeah yeah like um just like i'll follow on from what you were saying there like as in like i think when like say like people 9, 10, 11, 12 see a sevens Irish team going to the Olympics, they'll just think that looks so cool. Um and then watching you on TV and seeing like the pace of the game. And I think that'll like as you were saying, I'll think that will be the catalyst for a whole new generation of sevens girls and sevens boys mm -hmm. yeah i mean the guys were talking about it and we're trying to get an understanding of you know what may happen in the future no one can tell but when you break it down if you if you if you were to travel around the world and you were to tell people that you played rugby there's a strong chance that that person that you're speaking with probably doesn't know what rugby is and if they've heard of it maybe that's all they've ever heard of is just literally the name rugby they don't know anything about the sport itself and how it's played or maybe they don't even know any of the players but when you mention the olympics to someone they 
pretty much everybody's heard of the Olympics and understands how massive it is and how little um, how little uh, people actually get to go to it in terms of uh, an athlete perspective. So just to say like, yeah, we played in the Olympics is like, wow, that's really powerful. And hopefully there is at least one boy or one girl somewhere, whether it's in Ireland or whether it's somewhere else in the world that is affected by um, seeing rugby being played on the TV and they say, hey, I want to be able to do that when I'm older, then that's us doing our job. And um, I'd be delighted for that to happen. Uh, I put up a question box, as you know, on my Instagram. Um, and we're going to run through the questions now. Go on. <laughs> but, but I'm just going to give you a slight warning. There is a few, uh, should I say, interesting ones uh, that, you, that you might not want to answer. That's totally up to you. I won't we'll keep it PG. I won't force on <laughs> your favorite stage on the World Series. Oh, um, I'll give you a top three because there's so many incredible ones. And uh, Hong Kong will be my number one. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. And we've, We've got a lot of history there and we qualified for the World Series there, which just mind-blowing. Um, Cape Town, I just was an unbelievable tournament. The stadium was absolutely packed. Great weather, great city, cheap, and the people were brilliant. And then Vancouver. Vancouver was great. It's completely different. There's like snow on the mountains still when you're there and it can be a bit rainy, but in terms of a tournament and the organization, they really take care of you. They ensure that you actually get like discounts in different cafes and and different shops and when you walk in people are like oh you're a rugby sevens players like they actually know that you're there and everyone's really just excited for the tournament to take place and you feel like oh you're a big part of the city so those would be my top three last question is uh who is the ice hockey player that you'd most like to see play rugby Oh, that's a great question. I've never really thought about that before. Um, who is... I? Do you know what? I'm going to go for Alex Ovechkin. And he, if people don't know anything about ice hockey, he is one of the best ice hockey players to, to play the game. He's um, up there in all the stats and goals and points scored and all that kind of stuff. But he's uh, originally from Russia and he's a big dude and he can get around and he's very athletic and He's got an amazing skill set, and I just think that Russian background will um, make him a really good rugby player. Next question. Uh, this probably this one will probably cause some controversy. But <laughs> who is the best housemate you've ever had? Housemate in terms of like on tour with, with the team, or like literally living with someone. I don't know. They just said housemate. So okay, we'll go with the tour. We'll go I'll with the tour. Let, I'll let you make that decision. We'll just go with we'll go with the tour. Um, well, like my longest standing tour mate, housemate would be uh, John O'Donnell. We get on very well, and we're very close friends. Um, so I would because we were basically together for the longest in terms of amount of time shared. Then I'll I'll, I'll go with John. Uh, next question is this one is from Rob Vickram. <laughs> um, well, Rob. Yeah, uh, I don't know if this is true now, um, but um, he says, "Is it true uh, that you once uh, played with a GoPro on your pants just for?" Uh, 
don't know if this is true. <laughs> so Rob, no, it's not true. But Rob loves to play on the fact that I, I love uh, cameras, GoPros, content. I've always got one around me. I mean, it was just fair enough and a bit of stick. And Rob's a very good friend of mine and is a fantastic commentator. But unfortunately, he likes to tell a few white lies every now and again. Um, and that just so happens to be one of them. <laughs> I kind of thought that, but... Yeah, anyway. I, I, it nearly wouldn't surprise me at the same time. <laughs> the last question is, how do you feel since winning the, or getting qualified for the Olympics? I feel fantastic. I, I actually was wrecked for all of last week. I was just blown away with messages and um, just even the thought of going to the Olympics is just so massive and um, I feel great. I have like a constant little adrenaline buzz all the time, just in the back of my head being like, wow, what an achievement the the team has done and accomplished. And uh, so yeah, again, it's very hard for me to put it into words. I find it quite difficult to, to understand everything that's going on, but it's a very special moment in my life and in my family's life as well. I got to call my parents straight away from, from the grounds after we won. I FaceTimed them and stuff. And yeah, very, very cool. And like, there seems to be like, uh, just like a great friendship and bond between like you, Adam Levy, Jordan Conway, Sherry Kennedy, like the whole lady. You just seem to bounce off each other and it just seems to be a great energy like yeah it's great in fairness all the lads are great crack and we have such a laugh every day in training we uh, get on really really well and what's also very special with the whole group is like we've been through so much ups and downs and whatnot and we've been together for a good few years but also all of our families get to get on very well so whenever we go to games like pre-covid a lot of the families would have traveled um, to the tournaments and the support that we had was fantastic. So, you know, you look up into the stand, you see your mom and dad right beside them. You'll see Terry Kennedy's parents and Jordan Conroy's and Adam Levy's and they'll be hanging out with each other all weekend. So um, that's a really special thing as well. Is like not only are we brilliant friends, but like our parents get on really well too. So I think that just makes the bond re really tight and we have a lot of fun. And what's your like training schedule coming up to the journey to Tokyo now like do you have a few do you have a few days off a week or is it just like what's your schedule yes yeah, so the schedule is uh, pretty much the same as um, it was um, all year or you know as we were training with the World Series and stuff so we train Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday we have Wednesday off and then we have the weekends off as well and then we'll do a gym a pitch session and a gym session on those training days and sometimes on a Thursday we will train twice on the pitch so that's usually what our days look like. And roughly we would be in for about eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning. And we would probably leave around two or three in the afternoon. Um, that's that's usually our standard schedule. So that's what we'll be sticking with. I actually forgot a question. I'm just after finding it here. All right, go on. Um, what, uh, what is the difference, do you think, between the way or standard of rugby in america to europe okay great questions um i think in america the standard is growing because the sport is new 
So um, obviously there's some big names playing in the American League and the MLR, like Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper, Bastero played, uh, the Beast played from South Africa. So you got these uh, Manu, uh, who else? Umaga? Oh no, um, what's his name? Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. Huh? Man on it, even. Sorry, excuse me. Um, so he played, and you've got all these brilliant players who are renowned, but then also you've got guys who are from um, the States. So the, the rugby um, you know, culture isn't as big and as popular, um, but they're still brilliant players. But they're obviously just like their experience and their knowledge of the game is growing. So I find that um, because of that, like um, the the standard is just a little bit lower, but uh, it makes it really physical. Like these Americans are big physical athletes that can run quick and they can hit really hard. So they can make really great line breaks and then cause something out of nothing. So it's brilliant. And also I think there's a lot more of a running game, especially maybe compared to like the likes of Ireland where the weather's not as good. So there's a lot more pressure on the site, like a box kicking game. You've got the wind, the rain, uh, makes it a lot more difficult for the back three and can cause turnovers a lot easier. So I find the American game maybe a little bit less skillful, but it's definitely growing and, and growing really quick. Um, but there's definitely an emphasis on running rugby, having having a shot from anywhere, whereas um, the teams are just so clinical in Europe that one mistake can you can score points from and like that can win you a game. So I just think that the systems in America in, in sorry, in Europe are so strong and so clinical um, that they try and force errors through something like box kicks and really applying pressure. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Except to me, you know, because I'm a head myself. So good, man. Um, and I am going to come away from rugby now and I'm going to ask a few questions about your life outside of rugby. Cool. So, as I quoted there at the start, you're a proud body uh, smuggler, uh, model, should I say, and, and you actually have your own... Um, I don't know how to say this now, but you actually have your own uh, bespoke pair of body smugglers. Uh, yes. Could you just tell us a bit about body smugglers and what they are and how you got your own pair of body smugglers? Really? Yeah. So this is a great question. There's a lot of depth to this story, but basically... And uh, I went to Australia as part of my university degree. I studied abroad for a semester. And when I got down there, uh, budgie smugglers were quite popular. I just thought they were hilarious. It was my first real interaction with them and, and lads on the team had them and we got custom ones made. And um, I did a bit of traveling. So I bought a pair and I was like, oh, I'm just going to rock these, you know, while I'm in Australia, whatever, bit of crack. Um, and they have like a quite a big rugby presence. So for me, it was kind of just like a natural product to like attach to and have fun with. And my mates were like rocking them or whatever. So end up coming back to Ireland and John O'Donnell, who I mentioned earlier, he also had a couple of pairs. He really liked them and he knew the lads that were in the budgie smuggler office in London. 
and they just opened a branch at that time. So we got onto them. We got Irish pairs for the team. And um, all the lads were a little skeptical at first, but then because we all had them, we would wear them like for ice baths or when we were going to the beach. And it was all good crack. And then when you're on the sevens tour, like all the other teams had them too. So um, end up meeting the, the budgie smuggler team in Paris. They had a pop-up tent at the Paris sevens got all lads a couple free pairs and whatnot and they were loving it so we just kept having these interactions and bumping into the guys and be, i ended up becoming really good friends with the budgie smuggler team so when we went and played in sydney uh, in 2019 like we went to go and see their shop in manly they took us for lunch you know we had great crack and then same whenever i go over to london i i meet up with the london team and jimmy is like one of the main guys there and we always meet up for for some lunch and a beer or whatever so basically for five years i was just hanging out with these guys and having fun and we were we were chatting all the time and then jimmy reached out and he said look um we really enjoy what you do social media wise and you really enjoy the product budgie smuggler and um we just thought maybe it might be a really cool opportunity to do a collaboration or bespoke is a great word that you use so um would you be interested in you know, creating a pair and, and we can just chuck them online and see how they go and, you know, sell a few pairs and you'll get um, a little bit of commission from them or whatever it is. And I just, I didn't even care about the money. I was like, yeah, I just, I'd love my own custom pair. Let's, let's do it. So uh, they sent me over a uh, sample uh, just on a PDF with um, four different budgies, all with the same color scheme, but they had different styled text. And the second I saw the color scheme, I was like, yeah, that is absolutely perfect. You don't need to change anything. Like, I love it. Nailed it. Number one go. Um, but then I just moved around a little bit um, of the text. So I took a text from kind of one pair and a text from another pair and kind of mixed those together. And the guys within half an hour, like, changed it. And as easy as that, it was probably the easiest client they ever had in terms of making a bespoke pair and from there we got them made and put on the uk website and they ended up selling out over like uh i don't know a couple of weeks and they were really happy with how it all went and i actually ended up doing um i think two more restocks since then and they want to actually restock them onto their australian website which they don't have at the moment so they're doing all that so it's going really really well and uh, for me it's all a bit of fun and it's it's great crack and it's cool to just have a product with my name on it so yeah that's kind of how it got it i got into it um just a, a long relationship essentially yeah that's, that's a good story and and it sounds like a good bit of crack great crack always great crack um and i see you're into social media uh, and you're into photography um <laughs> And I just want to talk about a brilliant opportunity that you got in in 2019 with the Royal Cruise Line uh, show Instagram Apprentice. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a long, long title, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So could you just tell me a bit about that? And first of all, just tell me how you got into photography and why you like it so much and then you can move on to the apprenticeship role Great. that you got sure so 
It seems like a lot of things stem back to Australia and the time that went out there. Budget Smugglers was one of them. The second one of them would have actually been photography and creation and content and social media. So I always kind of had a little bit of a fascination with cameras when I was a kid. Like I would take photos, but I never really did anything with it or thought about it. And there was like a good few years, like in school, I would never have picked up a camera by any means. But I went to Australia, I had a GoPro and I met a lot of uh friends basically who had gopros and they would do like a camping trip or they would go spear fishing or fishing and they would document the whole thing and put a video together themselves like put it on facebook and be like hey this is what we did this weekend and they used to get like a massive reaction from like friends and family being like oh it looked amazing blah 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 so i really just liked that idea of creating for yourself and, and doing cool things and um, I started just doing that myself and when I traveled with my budgie smugglers down the east coast of Australia I documented the whole thing on a GoPro and ended up making a video and I just loved the process and I taught myself how to edit and how to use the camera and when I came home then I decided to buy my first like camera and I saved up like 300 euros and I ended up buying like this little Canon and I started documenting the sevens a bit and um, taking photos all the time and learning how to edit and watching tutorials online and having a lot of fun with it. And then um, I eventually got to a stage where I just decided that, Hey, I really want to do this um, for other people in a sense, like, you know, I want to, I would like to make some money for it or create for, for companies or brands, whatever it may be. So again, I saved up more money, ended up buying a camera that I still have um, and still use to this day, which is a Sony. And um I love it. And yeah, just kept at it. It was probably five years um, of just constantly creating for myself and, and doing all that um, and having a lot of fun with it. And then basically, uh, yeah, around that five year period ish, my that uh, Royal Caribbean competition comes up on social media. And my aunt who lives down in Dingle, Siobhan, she sent me a Facebook message. And she sent me this link and she said, I think you'd be really good at this job. You should apply for it. And, you know, you see these things on social media all the time, like, oh, this company wants you to travel the world and they'll pay. You. And, you know, you think it's fake or whatever and can't be real. But um, they were, all they were looking for was an Instagram post with a hashtag and uh, tag the company. So I said, what? Not that big of a deal. Like, you know, if it's not real, like I can just delete the hashtag and the tag at the end of the day. It's not not too much of a hassle it's not like i have to pay to enter or get friends and family to vote so i just did it and i created a video for them in my um in my kitchen i just stood there and chatted to the camera and said who i was and what i do and why it would be great for the job and um then i put together a 30 second edit for them and i ended up being the only person to do something like that and they were really impressed and uh, i ended up getting the top 20 top 10 and the next thing you know i win and I was actually in Hong Kong at the sevens when I was told that I won. So I didn't tell anybody until the sevens was over because I didn't want them to think I was distracted. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, went, traveled the world for three and a half weeks. I um, basically had to take over their social media and tell people about what you can do when you arrive at a destination with the cruise liner. So I was in uh, the Bahamas, uh, Miami, uh alaska japan dubai 
Norway and Portugal. So I was roughly in every place for about three days. And I had like activities and different things set out for me in those places that I was going to. I was allowed to pick some of the things that I wanted to do uh, based on basically dates and how long those things would take. And yeah, that's kind of what I got up to. <laughs> that sounds like an opportunity of a lifetime, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite like the Olympics. I still don't really understand how it all happened or why or um it was amazing it, i i'll never forget it but uh, very very special like i am i just i look through your photography and account there and, and i have to say like some of like most of the photos you've taken like are absolutely class like thank you very much i appreciate it it's, it's what i love to do outside of rugby so it's very very nice to hear um, when someone compliments you like that. So thank you for that. No bother. And I just want to ask two more questions and sure. then I'll let you go. <laughs> so question number one is, where did the name, I, I don't know if people call this this now, but uh, uh, where did the name Salty McNuts come from? <laughs> so that, again, let's all the way back to Australia. This is the turning point of my life, it seems. Uh, basically, McNulty is my last name. Um, then I was kind of known as McNutt to a few people. And then no matter how short a word is in Australia, uh, they have to abbreviate it or come up with a different nickname. Um, so I went from McNutts just to Nuts. Um, so everyone would call me Nuts. Um, McNutts wasn't short enough, obviously. And then uh, when I went traveling, I decided I wanted to come up with a second Instagram because I wanted to create, as I said earlier, for myself. And I thought, right, I have my Instagram. I'm going to post as much as I want to post. If I want to post three times a day, I'm going to post three times a day. If I want to post nothing, I'm posting nothing. But I didn't want to just start like bombarding people um, who didn't want to see that kind of thing. Um, so I just decided to set up my own and I'll post on that. And if people wanted to follow it, they could follow kind of thing. So um, honestly, the name, I didn't really put a whole lot of thinking into it. Uh, there wasn't like a deep meaning or much to it. But all I thought was, right, I'm traveling in Bali and I'm traveling the east coast of Australia. I'm going to be like around the ocean a lot. And it's salty. So I was just like, I'll do salty nuts. And then that was basically about it. That was... I just came up with it myself and uh, it's quite funny. Some people will call me that uh, or they'll just call me salty or whatever. And um, I still laugh at him every now and again. I'm like, geez, should I keep the name or not? But no, nah, it's good crack. Uh, last question is, do you have any like superstitions like before a game? Like how you prepare the night before? What music do you listen to or anything like that? Um, so uh i was asked this recently enough and i i couldn't think about it at the time because i'm not very superstitious by any means and my routine like um i kind of i end up doing the same things all the time but it's not like um it's more out of habit rather than like a superstition um but what i am superstitious about is that i always have to put my left on first so like my left sock and then my right then my left boot then my right boot um, I, I, I strap my thumbs, so I always tape my left thumb first, then my right thumb, and same with putting on line-out tape, 
I always put my line out tip, my left leg first and then my right. So uh, that goes back from when I was a kid playing ice hockey. My coach always said that the left was the, the lucky side. So you got to do that one first. Um, and I've just stuck with it. Even in the house, if I'm leaving the house, putting on a set of shoes or if I'm going to, I don't know, a, a black tie event, those shoes, everything has to, the left one first. I don't know, flip flops even. Um, music always kind of changes. Uh, depending on the mood and stuff in Monaco when I was room with Adam Levy we kind of got in a really good like rock and roll vibe and we were pretending to like do guitar solos in the room and trying to hype each other up so we were listening to like Led Zeppelin, Creedence Clearwater, uh, our new band who are brilliant is called uh, Greta Van Fleet and we were just like rocking out in the bedroom and getting pumped up and having a lot of fun um but yeah it it, it changes um but yeah the definitely the left putting on the left would be one for me mm -hmm. i've never heard that left side first no ever <laughs> ever i can't i literally can't i can't even if i put my left on and you know like sometimes the shoe catches at the back like or it doesn't go on properly I'll wait until I fix that until I let my right foot go into the other shoe. Like I can't let the right one go in and then get fix the left. It has to, I, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just stuck with me. <laughs> um, yeah. Gloves always. I know it's a bit mad, but sure. Nice. That's how it goes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Harry. And I yeah I wish you all the best luck in the Olympics and uh, yeah I just leave the last word to you um, and I just want to say thank you. Oh, well, thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's great chatting. Great questions. I really enjoyed it. Uh, keeps it fresh and interesting. And I uh, wish you all the best with your podcast as well. You're doing a great job. So well done. Thank you very much. No bother and. Uh, you can give out to Rob yourself. I'll... Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, Rob will get nearful from me. So I just want to say a big thank you to Harry Nuts McNulty for coming on. Uh, I really enjoyed the chat and I just want to wish all the best of luck to him and the rest of the 17th team in Tokyo. Mm -hmm.